Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. So glad to have you come aboard. We're going to be talking today. Good topic. This is a really good topic. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. How he worked in the Old Testament. How he works in the New Testament. And how about this one? How he works in your life. Or is he working in your life at all? Oh, these are things you need to find out. So it's a good day that you picked to tune in. Don't forget, you can always catch these podcasts later on. On demand. You can go to newhopecc.tv. Scroll down to podcast. It'll be up there this afternoon. Or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. So many other places where you can find podcasts as well. Just look for the Hope Club. The Hope Club podcast. And it'll be there. Now, before I get into our topic, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, man, you know what's going on with the public school system? Not much. Not much. So I want to remind you, we have a, a, a final open house here at the Academy of Higher Learning this Saturday, September 12th, from 10 to 12. And um, I want to ask you, what makes for a great school? What do you think makes a school great? Well, here's what's going to make the Academy of Higher Learning so great. Loving teachers. A real academic curriculum. Testing to see how the kids are learning. Knowledge of God. Teaching respect. And parental involvement. Six things that make a school a great school. If that's what what you would like for your child, just come to the open house this Saturday. September 12th, from 10 to 12. Find out for yourself. Look at the classroom. Look at the curriculum. Meet the teachers. Uh, We're going to be in school every day, Monday through Friday, in class learning. A lot of other things we'll tell you at the open house that we're not going to tell you here on the radio. You can go to our website, newhopecc.tv, click Academy. All the information is there. The fees are there. Curriculum, tuition, you'll you'll be surprised at how affordable it really is. You'll really be surprised. Value your child's education. Don't settle. Don't settle for the stuff that the government's throwing at them. Give your kids a good Christian education at the Academy of Higher Learning. Open house Saturday, September 12th, 10 to 12. All right, let's get right at it. We're going to get at it. The work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We're going to move along pretty good today. It's just going to give you a good, well-rounded understanding of how the Holy Spirit works. Now, you know, back in the Old Testament, he worked differently than he does in the New Testament in the church age today. And you'll see how that works. Let's go all the way back to the time of the creation. He's the one that gave life to the creation. Remember when the Bible says the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep? And you know what happened? I like this. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit of God. The word moving, you know, the root word, it means to brood or to flutter, to shake. I want you to picture a hen over her eggs, warming the eggs, bringing them to life where they would hatch. I want you to think of the Holy Spirit 
brooding over the earth, formless and void. And then life began to arise out of the planet. He also gives life to man. See, the Holy Spirit is the life giver. Uh, Job tells us that the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Remember when Jesus breathed into Adam? The breath of God. Spirit is the breath of God. Adam became a living being. The Spirit gives revelation. He illumines us about the things of God. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So in the Old Testament, we've got all these prophets, get all these men speaking for God, and they were being moved by the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, when the writers were writing Scripture, they also were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really, he's like that, that quiet member of the Trinity, but he really accomplishes so much. What about the Spirit's relationship right now to man? I want you to think about the Holy Spirit working inside of people. In the Old Testament, we have a phrase called the endowment of the Spirit. The endowment is when the Spirit rested upon a believer in the service of God. Um, when they were prophesying, when they were writing, the prophets, the, the craftsmen who worked on the tabernacle and who worked on the temple, they were endued with the Spirit. And that means they had a supernatural ability to do what they were doing. You know, the writers wrote for God, the prophets spoke for God, and the craftsmen, they worked for God. They were goldsmiths and silversmiths, and they worked with wood and fabric, and they did beautiful work. You know why? They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the endowment is only for a temporary task. When their task was done, the Spirit was no longer empowering them. The judges were endued with the Spirit. Samson was a judge. And in Judges 15, 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. This, the, here's where Samson got his strength. So that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is turned with fire, burned with fire. And his bonds dropped from his hands. Remember when the Philistines, they cut his hair and he was weakened. And he was blinded and he was made a, a, a prisoner. But then the Spirit of God came upon him and strengthened him. But again, it's always temporary. Now we get to the New Testament where we're living today. Oh, this is different. This is much better. You know what we have today? We don't have the endowment. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? He resides inside a believer. And he fills the believer. And he energizes the believer. And here's the cool thing about the indwelling. It can never be lost. It can never be lost. Now, the Spirit does two works inside of us. He indwells us and He fills us. The indwelling, as we're going to see, mocks us out as belonging to God. That's why that can never be lost. 
the filling is kind of like the endowment. It's an empowering. And that can be lost. We can lose the filling of the Spirit. We can lose it through sin, through carnality. Paul said to the Corinthians, Do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And he was chastising them because they were living in sin. He's saying, listen, don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit because He's inside of you. He's in you. And you're causing Him sorrow and remorse. So we're living in a different dispensation than the Old Testament believers did. They were not indwelled with the Spirit. They were endued with the Spirit for a particular task. We In the church age, we're indwelt with the Spirit on a permanent basis until the day of redemption. Now, the filling can be temporary. And what happens when you lose the filling? Well, you lose your supernatural power, but you can get it back. How do you get it back? You repent of your sin, and you ask God to refill you. You pray for the filling of the Spirit. I always pray for God to fill me before I preach his word, whether it's on Sunday or whether it's getting ready for the radio. I ask God to fill me with the spirit when I'm studying the scriptures because I don't want it to be a work of the flesh. And I can tell, you, you, you can sense when God has filled you. It's not an emotional thing, but you have a sense of this, um, oh, what's the word I want? You have a sense of an awareness. You can really understand the things of God. See, the carnal mind does not understand the things of God. As a matter of fact, they're foolishness to him because they are, what Paul said, spiritually discerned. This is why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can discern the Word of God and discern the things of God. You'll never understand it apart from God's filling. When you go to church on Sunday and you're sitting in your church and you're waiting for the service to start, you know what you need to do? Ask God to fill you with His Spirit. Give you ears to hear and a heart to understand. And through the filling of the Spirit, you'll have a deeper appreciation of the Word of God. You'll have a deeper understanding of the Word of God. And it's going to have a deeper impact. I mean, man, isn't that what it's all about? It's all about being impacted by the, by the Scriptures. We want the Scriptures to impact our lives, to direct our steps, right? The Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We want to walk the way of God's Word. And it takes the filling of the Spirit. And you ask for the filling, and you'll receive it. Now, did you know that the Holy Spirit worked in the life of Jesus? Oh, he was always there. The Holy Spirit was always there. For instance, we know that when Jesus was conceived in Luke one thirty-five, his mother Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit planted the divine seed in Mary's human womb. And what do we have? We have a baby that was born that was all God and all man. Not half God and half man, no. All God and all man. What's that called? The hypostatic union. The union of two natures 
the nature of God and the nature of man were combined in Christ and placed in Mary's womb. That was an incredible thing. That's the virgin birth. That's why, you know, we're not far from Christmas, are we? What is it, 100 days? Wow. Somebody said, well, it's 100 shopping days. That's why we have the virgin birth. So Jesus could be born of God and of man. He was born without a sin nature. He was born without sin. And that qualified him to be what? The sacrifice for the sins of the world. But you know what really qualified him as well? He never did sin. He never did sin. Some people say, well, you know, Jesus, he didn't have a sin nature that he couldn't sin. Well, Adam didn't have a sin nature either. He sinned. He was created perfect. And yet he fell into sin. So, I think Jesus had quite an accomplishment. Oh, quite an accomplishment. 33 years without a thoughtful sin, a spoken sin, or an action sin. Nothing. That's pretty... That's that's some pretty good discipline, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Another work of the Spirit, Jesus was anointed at his baptism with John by the Holy Spirit. In Luke 4.18, the Spirit was there. Didn't the Father say, he said to John, you're going to see the Spirit descending on my son in the form of a dove. And there he came fluttering down in the form of a dove. And he was, that was like the anointing of Jesus for ministry. See, in the Old Testament, a priest was anointed with oil. Oil was poured on his head, anointing him for the priesthood at 30 years old. So Jesus comes down to the Jordan River. John the Baptist is baptizing people. He baptizes Jesus, and the Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and anoints Jesus at 30 years old. And now he begins his priestly ministry. And then you know the next thing that happened? The Spirit's still working. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was led to a place that was dangerous, that was barren, where the devil was. And you know who led him there? The Holy Spirit himself. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus to a place like that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that was Jesus' first one-on-one with the devil. He went three rounds. He won every round. (laughs) Every one. He won them all. And that now he's really a man. If you can, and by the way, he didn't eat for forty days. You know, when you get hungry, you kind of like get weak. You know, like the like the Snickers commercial says, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Well, Jesus was himself, even though he was hungry. The Spirit led him up into the wilderness, be tempted by the devil, and he won, everyone. Jesus was also empowered by the Spirit to do miracles. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Where do you think that power came from? The Holy Spirit. You see how important it is to stay filled with the Spirit? 
The Holy Spirit removes, I like this part, some of your limitations. We all have human limitations. And when you're filled with the Spirit, some of those limitations are removed. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you can't fly and you can't swim across the ocean. But we have these human limitations that hinder us spiritually. We're talking about the spiritual realm. Like understanding the Word of God. Like praying. You know, when you pray and you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit takes your prayers to heaven. Even Paul said, sometimes we don't even have the words. We pray with groanings. Too deep for words. Can't even... You ever feel so maybe bad that you couldn't even find the words to pray? But you know what the Holy Spirit does? Oh, he takes the words out of your heart and he brings them to God. That's what he does for you and for me. He does that for us. He intercedes for us. He intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit. Oh, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is your friend. That's for sure. You know, when Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, Hebrews 9.14 says he offered himself through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. Just like when the priest in the Old Testament offered sacrifices on behalf of the people, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice on behalf of the people. The Old Testament priest was anointed with oil, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the dove, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. See how the, the Holy Spirit, oh, he plays such an important role in every aspect of our lives. And you know, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't know salvation. We wouldn't be redeemed from our sins if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't happen. Let's talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. He has a ministry of conviction. Now, conviction doesn't save us. You know what conviction does? It makes us aware. That's what it does. It makes us aware. Let me share some scriptures with you. We're in John chapter 16. Three verses, four verses, eight to 11. These are three areas of conviction. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, when I leave, the Spirit's coming. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Here they come. Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Spirit brings this conviction regarding three aspects of life. And that's where we're brought to a crossroads and we have to make a decision. See, salvation is a decision. It's not something that we have no part in. The free will of the believer says either yes or no to the gospel. So here's these three areas, and Jesus explains it. 
when he comes to convict the world concerning sin. Because they do not believe in me. That's the sin of unbelief. It gets to a point where people realize they don't believe. And when they hear the gospel message, now, hopefully, they do believe. See, there's a conviction. There's a a pulling on the heart, so to speak. And if you're a Christian today, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a Christian, you're not getting it. Okay? Then he said when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Now, what does he mean there? He satisfied the righteousness of God. That through his sacrifice on the cross, the payment of sin was completed and Jesus offers righteousness to those who believe. And that's what makes us righteous, that we can dwell with God in eternity. So we've got the conviction of the sin of unbelief. We've got the conviction of the righteousness that God provides through Christ. And then thirdly, when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. That means Satan has been defeated. That's what that means. Satan was defeated. So how cool is that? Satan is on borrowed time. In the tribulation, he's going to work overtime to make a mess of things. But right now, he's not doing a bad job either. So Jesus fulfilled the law. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And now the Holy Spirit has been sent to minister to the world. Convict the world of the the sin of unbelief. Convict the world of the righteousness of Christ. And convict the world of the defeat of Satan. Now, when you hear the gospel and you accept it, he goes to work regenerating your soul. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. If you're writing down scriptures, that's Titus 3.5. He washed us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, just like the Holy Spirit made the earth brand new and it brought life when it was formless and void, the Holy Spirit takes us and at the moment of salvation makes us a new creation, makes us a brand new person. See, regeneration is God's act of begetting eternal life in one who believes in Christ. And there it is. He's making salvation happen. Let me put a few more scriptures out there. He indwells the believer, 1 Corinthians 6.19. He baptizes the believer into Christ, 1 Corinthians 12.13. I like this one. He seals the believer until the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30, 1 Corinthians 1.22. That means you are permanently sealed and saved. You're everything but delivered. You're signed, sealed, Oh, but you're not yet delivered. But you are his. Stevie Wonder, he kind of had it right there. Except for the delivered part. You're delivered when you get to heaven. 
He fills the believer in Ephesians 5.18. Oh, how about this one? He dispenses spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.11. The Holy Spirit determines who gets what gift. So think about it. The discovery and the application of your spiritual gift, do you know what that'll do? It'll fulfill your life. It'll fit you into God's plan. It will, it will earn you eternal rewards. It edifies the body of Christ. But it should always be executed in love. You always want to live in your gift in love. How about the work of the Spirit in the future? See, after the rapture of the church at the end of the Great Tribulation, the Holy Spirit will work in the hearts of the believers who came through that judgmental period. Zechariah prophesied about that. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me, Jesus said, whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the firstborn. So a lot of prophecy about the Holy Spirit will come through in the end times. The Holy Spirit will indwell Jewish believers in the Millennial Kingdom. I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances, Ezekiel said. Jesus will reign in the Kingdom by the Holy Spirit. Remember when he read about himself? The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's about Jesus reigning in the Millennial Kingdom. So this is a glimpse of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. What He did in the Old Testament, what He did in the Church Age, what He does in our life, and what He will do in the future. Pretty incredible, isn't it? It's awesome. And He's there right now. Let me ask you, is He working in your life? If you're a believer, He is. If you're not, he's convicting you. He's trying to get you to become a believer. Will you become that believer? Receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And next time we're going to ask the question, who are the angels? We're going to answer it too. Who are the angels? That's next time, tomorrow. Right here on New Hope Radio. Make sure you join me. Don't forget about the open house, Saturday, September 12th, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. By the way, the Good, news, the good Newspaper, thank you, Larry Lepore and all those who wrote for us. The Good Newspaper has a couple of articles on the Academy of Higher Learning this month. Check it out. If you didn't pick up a copy yet, check it out, read the articles. They do a good job talking about Christian schools and the Academy. So give us a call. If you can't make the hours of the open house, we'll give you a private tour. Give us a call. Okay? I'll see you tomorrow. 